best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events, everything they got going on over at OsirisPod.com. This episode of Welcome to the Party Pal celebrates Oppenheimer, the epic biographical thriller film written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Based on the 2005 biography, American Prometheus, by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. The film chronicles the career of American theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer. The story predominantly focuses on Oppenheimer's studies, his direction of the Manhattan Project during World War II, and his eventual fall from grace due to his 1954 security hearing. The film stars Cillian Murphy as the title character, Emily Blunt as his wife Kitty, Matt Damon as head of the Manhattan Project, Leslie Groves, Robert Downey Jr. as U.S. Atomic Energy Commissioner member, Louis Strauss, and Florence Pugh as Communist Party USA member, Gene Tacklock. And I have River Jordan back on the program with me today to talk about it. Author, podcaster, radio host. I gotta say, before we move forward, over Labor Day weekend, I read one of River's books, uh, an anthology series called Sugar Baby and Other Stories, and it was terrific. She has four novels out there, four works of nonfiction, and five anthologies. And uh, after this one, I can't wait to read more and recommend you do as well. But uh, let's get into it. Our discussion about Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Uh we got to talk about this one. So much to talk about. This was uh, the, the, the scope blew my mind. Nolan's genius continues to blow my mind. I, um, I'm not going to be shy about my admiration for, for this film, for Nolan's work in general, for the actors in this, the actresses in this. It's just the production design. There's, there's, there's a bunch I want to celebrate. So thank you, River, for jumping on here and uh, talking Oppenheimer with me. Uh, I want to celebrate it as well. And as soon as I saw the movie, I wanted to walk out and and um, I don't want to see sound sacrilegious, but, you know, it was sort of at least I wanted to bow or curtsy to Christopher <laughs> Nolan's genius. You know, let me shake the man's hand or something. I'm like, oh, my God. And the audacity, the yeah. audacity to take on such an intellectual property. Absolutely bring it to film and yeah. expect people intelligent people to go see it and well, to watch it you know how about that though it's i mean right now it's the third highest gross in film of 2023 it's it's um you know it, what an unlikely summer blockbuster and 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 like i, I mentioned last episode how barbie kind of gave me hope for weird ip having smart intelligent things i love that people are going to see this film talking about it that it's doing so well um, I guess the first thing I want to say about that is on that note, I mean, no one really challenges himself taking like this, this type of uh, story with all its different angles, whether it's communism, just the, the you know, the hubris of man, um, the idea of a genius battling with himself and, you know, the building of the bomb, the ethics behind it. These are all wrapped in and they're all given their just due throughout the film in a major way. So he's in that sense, he's challenging himself. But he's also challenging us, and he does that continually 
And I, I think the best way to look at it is, is because he believes in his audience. He believes in the intelligence of the people he's telling his stories to. And that's refreshing. Now, don't ever dumb down, Nolan. You keep believing in us and we'll keep coming to the theater. And just it's he's he's really he's already one of the best to do it. And he just seems to keep keep getting a grasp of what he's doing and what he can do. It's unbelievable. My I guess my only thing and I, I sent you a text as soon as I finished seeing the movie. I sent you a text <laughs> still yeah. sitting in the chair uh -huh. in the in the theater watching the credits just going wow <laughs> the whole entire thing and i i normally when we talk about a movie or a tv show or series i love to watch it multiple times as yeah. you know because we discuss it this one i only yep. got a chance to watch it once yep. um, and i didn't get a chance to see it in imax did you get to go to the imax i did theater? not i was i was i was in a place where i didn't yeah he shoots it's unbelievable because this would be a fun IMAX experience. It would be different because it's a different type of IMAX thing. I mean, he shoots in 65 millimeter, projects on 70 millimeter. And I just love how, you know, the, I guess the idea there is that the format kind of creates a sense of like cinematic uh, monumentality. It's if everything feels bigger, of course, when, when he does what he does. But I just think this idea of this kind of procedural story it's it's fun that they do it in IMAX that you can experience in that way. It must be fun. I wish I could have as well. Oh, well, I'm I'm going to try to go to the IMAX and see it before it leaves, mm -hmm. just because I'm that kind of a freak. But also, <laughs> trying to comprehend um, theoretical physics mm -hmm. is my hobby. Yeah. And so, oh, really? Yes, I, oh, really. Awesome. I mean, awesome. That, and what I loved, one of the, the funny things to me was the fact that here's Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb mm -hmm. and everything that that, you know, entailed, was bad at the math. <laughs> math was not his <laughs> yeah, issue. And normally people would think of a theoretical physicist as being a math whiz, but yep. it's not the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I read a lot of books on, um, layman's books on physics yeah. and on time and that sort of thing so of course i'm sitting there just like some sort of you know brain junkie soaking, just soaking <laughs> in uh the concepts and the mm. and i love i love the back and forth you know i've heard people talk about the time yeah i want to get into that the structure yeah go on i love the structure yep. because when you start talking about theoretical physics and time everything mm. happens at once and everything yeah, is still everything happening is there is no linear yep thing to uh -huh. time whether he did it um you know on purpose objectively to create that sort of sense of out of body out of time every you know that i would wait yourself physics and time uh he he captured that that uh -huh. um, you would see um oppenheimer or oppie as they call him thinking and and then he goes back in time and he's reliving these moments in present time which is the exact thing of that you know everything happens always is yeah. continuing to happen so i loved the time jumps i loved the black and white i loved his choices i loved the going to the light and the stars and the you that was know, cool things. that was cool and, very uh, great edits they gave they gave a texture and feel to the movie absolutely. and it was i mean yeah. It was it was smart how they did it. I mean, fission the fission section was done in color. The fusion section was done black and white. And I've seen some critiques too. And and, and I just this isn't tenant. Like I didn't feel you know I like when he tells you I didn't feel 
burdened by it. I wasn't, I knew, you know, because of the color change and because of the decisions they made and because the story wasn't, you know, hard to follow. I didn't, I wasn't confused at all. I wasn't, not at any point was I like, where are we? What's going on? It just, it just all, to me, it all made, made tons of sense. I liked that. And I liked the reason you mentioned that, that, um, you know, the idea, I am sure they thought of it, that everything is happening at once. And, you know, I mean, and also the story lends itself to, a lot of introspection about what happened before because they're revisiting and he's on trial and everything like that. So it is something where the back and forth makes sense on a ton of levels. I thought, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Oppenheimer, just as a, a case study, um, as a human, I mean, how fascinating is that? I, it, it makes so much sense to me why Nolan was attracted to this story um, of this man and also what it means you know, to, to the future of uh, existence. I mean, there's there's so much, so much to get into with him. It's funny. I went down. Um, I'm assuming you might have as well. When I, when I got what well, got immediately home from the film, I was looking out. You know, what did they get right? You know, what was what was in there? What was the whole thing? And everything I was reading. I mean, it's he. Yeah. It's hard to refute. I mean. They, they took some liberties with the Albert Einstein things, I guess that kind of, which I loved. I, go ahead. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, the uh, the um, Joan uh, Tatlock, I believe that's, uh, yeah, they, I think he did a kind of a, a unique thing where she committed suicide, it seems, but it also, there's, um, there's a thought that she might have been actually killed. And so he kind of plays with both of them, of her killing herself and then his hands on top. So I thought that was a fun way of presenting that those ideas are, you know, there's two ideas there. But I mean, everything I was reading, I was curious if it was the same with you, was, was um, you know, this is, this is pretty much what happened as far as the information that we can get a hold of. It, you're exactly right. It That's seems cool. that the Albert Einstein Liberty was mm -hmm. because he knew the moviegoers were not going to know the other physicists, but everyone knows Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer did know Einstein, you know, and he was, um, you, well, we won't go down the Einstein-Oppenheimer relationship. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, that was an excellent call on Nolan's uh, mm -hmm. to use Albert. But the rest of it, you, he, he stuck to the material yeah. of the book yeah. and what he undertaking to take American Prothesis. <laughs> yes, I've been saying. I'm, it. I'm usually the one stumbling on words. I've been but it for you. a week, and now suddenly I can't say it. Um, <laughs> but to take that and turn it into a screenplay, yeah. and he said the reason he was able to do that with so much material is because he'd done the same thing with Howard Hughes. Mm. When he finished the screenplay, he didn't know someone else was doing a movie and came out with their movie right when he'd spent oh, wow. all this all time. <laughs> Writing the Howard Hughes, and and I love the way that he just kind of took it. Well, that was experience. Yeah. The next thing, you know. And oh, that would have broken me. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? All that work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd still be in a ditch somewhere, but um, you know, crying. But he um, he took that experience of having already done that with the Howard Hughes material and was able to apply that to taking, you know, this. Pulitzer Prize winning book and, yeah. and get into this phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Uh, absolutely. What I was curious a whole lot about was, um, you know, like I said, there were so many different facets to it and, and you know, there's, there's these other pieces, but I really wanted to dig into the ethics of the whole thing. And it was, 
the more more I got of that, um, the you know that that I was just I was just more and more. I mean, like dealing with not only should we make it um, the aftermath of of what you know what you know after the fact, and how do you deal with that? Um, you know, I, how much each person struggled with it along the way was something I was really compelled with. And you did, you got enough time with each of them to kind of get a sense of what they were dealing with and that. And, you know, the, what is it necessary to use? I don't think they dove in as much as I might have wanted because I think that's something so curious. But it is interesting to see how he was caught up in his obsession so much that he was more focused on can it be done than should it be done. And I think a lot of things can really go wrong when when that's the case, when someone just you know gets caught up and 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 you know I think of like AI right now, maybe Boston Dynamics and all the things they're doing. A lot of these scientists and a lot of people um, are just wondering, can we do it? Can we take it to the next level? And there's not enough time, or maybe their focus is elsewhere. Of should we do it? And it was wild to see kind of it hit them, you know, that kind of realization too late. Kind of what have I done? Should I've done it? You know, I mean, he achieved something unbelievable, but what does it mean? It's pretty intense. I think uh, the Jeff Goldblum line in Jurassic Park is you were so busy, <laughs> you know, uh, so excited about yes. the fact you could do it. You didn't stop to think about should you do it? Yes. And uh, I, I think at that point, you know, certainly where the country was, where the world was coming yeah. out of, you know, and, and being in the middle of World War II after World War One, and and seeing what it's like to have somebody like Hitler come along who is absolutely purging anyone who disagrees with him or he doesn't like, he, world dominion, you know? And, and so then it's like, are we the lesser of two evils? Are we gonna be the good guy with the big club instead of the bad guy with the big club? Because once the club's here, it's all over but uh and i think he was probably really caught up in the, I mean, the minute they said they've split the atom he yeah. knew immediately what that meant as did all the other scientists of that yeah. caliber you yeah know, they knew the world had changed in that moment yeah yeah and like ai has changed the world already even though no one a lot of people don't realize it's yeah. already you know Cats um, we won't even go down. We won't even go down that. Bag. We'll talk about another movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I do want to address the fact that a lot of people felt like watching the movie because we're we're getting into the all the movies are longer movies now, and yeah. that I, I've heard other people on other podcasts that I respect regarding movies and films saying they didn't need the last hour; they mm. should have cut it after the bomb exploded. I disagree oh. a thousand percent. I think the last hours one was one of the most important yeah, hours, definitely. and because it examined the ethics and the fact that definitely. he was trying to say we need to use this as a reckoning for not only what it did but what it could cause in the yep. future if we don't. I to an agreement i got i'll plead i'll plead some serious ignorance i didn't know that he kind of became like an activist against it a little bit and a little bit of his history of, of kind of pushing back against using it again or having it again i was, it was that was really really good to know i mean this is it really is important stuff uh to talk about and and i mean these things are out there you know sometimes there's i mean there's a whole generation um you know my daughter and and, and younger people who like they really you know, it's it's kind of like news to them and, and like it, the, the effects of this. It was something, you know, uh, people, you know, back in the day that it, it was not even that long ago would, would, you know, it was an ever present thing. But I mean, it's still an ever present thing and it's important to talk about. And 
and uh, I mean, we'll get into the ending, but it's 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 heavy. It's super 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 heavy. Um, I did want to ask a question though. I was I was I I kind of like this choice, but um, I mean, they chose not to restage any of the attacks or any of the fallouts of the, of the bomb or examine kind of like because they could have like really could have kind of examined and and displayed some of that human toll. Like they put a number on it, and I think it's implied. You know, you see it in the weight that they carry, but it was a choice that was made to not show those tax. Do you think it was implied enough and you could feel feel how big it was? I think I think you kind of answered that question saying when you mentioned. How I, I think I think they did a great job not show. I was expecting yeah. that moment where they're sitting in the room watching the film mm. and I, we're going to get the little girl. We're going to get the picture from Life magazine. We're going to get yes. the aftermath, yes. right? This That's is what comes exactly now. And I, I think um, those images are so readily available and they've been played so much so long. I I think the close-up on his face mm-hmm. and, and really the focus of the movie is not, was not specifically that event mm-hmm. and not to take away from that in any way, but the focus was Oppenheimer and the creation of the bomb and the after effect and um, I think him trying to look away from the screen and not in the pain on his face and then him imagining people as he's walking past them with the flesh melting off their face. You know, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Nolan was genius the way that he did it because he didn't use all material and he concentrated on the human element of, and that's why he went to the president. Instead of going to the president and and getting, you know, taking a bow and being cocky about the whole thing, he said, I feel like I had blood on my hands, which is an actual quote of what he said to yeah. the president. Well, he was being a crybaby. And that's actually what the president <laughs> I, I, I heard he did say that to him at some point. Yeah. To him. So Gary um, Oldman, my goodness, he can hide yeah. behind some people. <laughs> yeah, he can. That is, I think that was the focus is that Oppenheimer's yeah. story was truly what Nolan was bring into the screen along with a lot of other things what did you think about the actual moment leading the moments leading up to the final test and the just i just this what what he does with the scores um i mean there's the tension that he can build me with these like little sounds i think the score is, is i mean obviously this is gonna be up for tons of oscars oscars but this if they occur but the uh the score, just it's just the tension and just the builds that he's able to do with me throughout the dark nights, all his stuff. It just it's it, it cuts me to the core. It's a cinematic experience that it gives you. And yes, the tension tension was was absolutely there. So I just mentioned Ludwig. I don't I can't wait to get into the cast a little bit, but we can't go farther. Not talking about the production design. They built Los Alamos. That's Ruth. Dejong, she's awesome. She's uh, I'm in Fort Worth right now. She's actually a TCU grad, but she works with, I mean, she's worked with, um, she works with Lynch, David Lynch. She did the Twin Peaks revival. She did uh, works with Jordan Peele, Peele a lot. Uh, and Nope, she's the one who created. Uh, her, I've heard her call it this that like Western town on acid in Nope, but she was a part of building this town. So they, um, you know, they go to Los Alamos. And I want to mention real quick that uh, I've been thinking a lot. You know, location scouts don't get enough credit when they talk about when it comes to like they should be seeing their names and like the beginning of credits and stuff that's such a cool job and they do such a good job but 
So they go to Los Alamos and, um, you know, look around. They're like, we can't use it. It's a modernized city. You know, there's a Starbucks on every corner type thing. Not the thing. So they go ahead and because uh, because they can't use Los Alamos, they build it. They absolutely build it. And, and I've seen pictures of the town. I mean, it's recreated in an amazing way. And, it's, and they found a ranch called Ghost Ranch in New Mexico. Built the whole thing. They made a 3D model. I, I loved reading articles about this. That's why I'm nerding out a little bit. That it was so big, they had to put it in the backyard of the production office backyard, and uh, it just—it's amazing. I wish, I wish I, they could leave it, or I don't know what they're doing with it. I'd love to visit it. It just looks so cool. But that's what I was going to ask you: Is they going to are they going to tear it down or leave it or make it? Great or question. They should. It should be. It should be a museum. It should be you know to use that in, as as a museum or anything like that. I did not say anything about that, but just the look was amazing. Um, you can imagine what that does to the actors for the authenticity too. kind of just you're transported back in time. You're able to live in that time period. Actually, Emily and um, Cillian, they uh, uh, they filmed in Oppenheimer's old house so that that kind of they, they were able to get in that moment. But I just I just think that's a magical that's movie magic right there that they brought. That it's, to life. Magic, it's, it's also the fact that Oppenheimer loved New Mexico so much yeah. and he had his ranch there and yeah. he said his his love, his desire was to combine. And I used to live in New Mexico and um, uh, Taos. And oh, nice. Taos is incredible. Yep. So George O'Keefe said, if you ever go to New Mexico, it'll scratch you, you know, it'll itch you for the rest of your life. I know. Yeah. And I have, and I yeah. have to get back out there. It's I've just, spent, I've spent a lot of time there. My, my, my daughter's uh, mother is from Belen, south of, uh, south of Albuquerque. And I would always, every single time I was there, I was up, I was up in Santa Fe and up now. There's so much to it that New Mexico is and it's, beautiful. It's so exotic. It's yeah. like another world. And, yeah. and I was thinking about it the other it day is that, you know, you go all up and down the east or you go to Europe or you go to Montreal, anywhere. Yep. You get a century in a city or there's history. But when I go to New Mexico, mm -hmm. I feel like I am a being on a planet in the universe in a galaxy. Uh -huh. You get this very ethereal but um, raw feeling that you are truly a being traveling through the universe on a planet. You know, yes. you get saying i mean i no doubt i do it's a spiritual oh, it's a spiritual beautiful place and it feels different than than you different. know yeah and you can't say it's i you know I, I think a lot of people might group the southwest together like that it's not like that i'm no, not getting those vibes in arizona i'm not no, no offense arizona or, or we'd, have to, we'd have to do a whole thing on new mexico so i won't yeah. even tell you my new mexico stories cool, about man. let's let's circle back <laughs> put that on the shelf for some um, other day. but um so I love the fact that he loved New Mexico yeah. so much that if only I can combine physics and New Mexico, you know, and boy, sure <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, that well, part just the idea of it's really cool too. just the self-sufficiency of the town and, you know, that they, they had to be secret so that everybody's kind of involved in it. I mean, it's, it's kind of dastardly, but it's also really cool. Yeah, Hotel California. Once you get in, you can't, yeah, you, can't, you, can't <laughs> you can check in anytime you like, but yep. you're never going to be able to leave. Right. <laughs> so we have to give a hat tip to the cast of what, what a cool cast. I mean, obviously, uh, Murphy, just bravo, bravo. I mean, he, his, you know, what was real fun about him, his look, his actual look that he looks like, you know, just regularly looks like added so much. His sunken eyes told the story, even his skinniness. 
He lost like, a lot of weight for the yeah moment. yeah yeah he he came down for this yep and uh but his skinning is kind of like you know it, it, it speaks to scholarly and it also had a great juxtaposition to um you know uh, uh Matt Damon as um as Leslie you know kind of, Matt also just consistently just oh, Matt he just he's, he's, predict, he's predictably good it just Matt's in a movie it's it's good it's it's really it's really fun to watch him but like there's a juxtaposition there and then. Working together was wonderful. Um, big shout out to Robert Downey Jr. Though it was so fun after all these years to see him out of the suit in a real, real. I love the Iron Man. I think he's perfect for Tony. But like, this is so great to see him out of there in a real meaty villain role. He's kind of nearly unrecognizable in ways. My actually, I was with my father when I saw it. I told him after the film, like Robert was great, and he's like, Robert was in that. <laughs> Yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also it, it's it's a nice like career reset for him as he moves away from that, and, and this is it shows you know just how good he is and and in a role with that much nuance and and darkness. How good was he? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. He could have been any better. Yeah. And as you go through the cast and you're talking about this person, that person, there wasn't a week. No, link no that stood out among them yeah, josh hartnett was fantastic i mean kenneth you know what kenneth branagh i he was he was he was kind of in it just sporadically as a uh, niles Bohr. uh he stole every scene i was like i need more kenneth he came Rami in Malik? Rami yes, Malik? absolutely and i thought we'll just get smaller yeah smaller people for stuff like that i mean it, it's it's really really cool I mean, the the it was a ma very male movie, and it's a very Emily Blunt. I was gonna say that, and you know, the, the kind of the cursory treatment of the females in the fil film, but Emily Blunt was amazing. Any scene she touched in, and I love that Kitty had that moment. I just that moment when she was testifying, that was just awesome. It just it made it it made you realize exactly why she wanted to take on that role and be a part of it. She. That was one of the best part of that third act you were talking about. That was maybe the best part of that third act. It was, that was really, really good. And and Florence, Florence is fantastic too. Um, that's it's, you know a, a a very unique role. It's just, it's amazing who no one can collaborate with on these things. And just he just has such a ridiculous team to work together on. It's amazing. Um, can we touch on the R rating for a minute? Yes, please. Something he really wanted. He ended yeah. up getting the nudity. Yeah. Um, and I had heard the rumors, you know, these rumbles of, oh, Florence, oh, the sex, oh, you know, he I was like, too. what the? <laughs> but then the movie, I thought it was going to be some like exotic. We were just going to have this little pocket of, you know, raw sex. Yes. And um, it was complaints we, were the most prudish complaints I've ever heard in my entire life. He didn't. To me, no. my afterthought about it was the R rating didn't even need to be there for the nudity. It needed to be there for the understanding that this moment in time could lead to the destruction of the world. Yeah. I mean, if you want an R rating that's going to cause nightmares intellectually, it's the comprehension that this could be the trigger that ends life as we know it Absolutely. on Earth. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna rate something, <laughs> nightmare. You know, not a couple of boobs. I'm just saying. You know, nope. I thought that was actually kind of spoke to the story a little bit too. When they were all um, kind of that that scene where she was in the um, the interrogation room or something, I thought that was kind of interesting because I mean she was ever present in a certain way, and they just made that ever present kind of real. I thought that was clever. 
but, but you definitely just brought us well, it was clever because of how naked he felt in yes. that moment that he had discussed that in front of his wife it yes. was as if she was in the room, was in you the room. Know? exactly that's exactly yeah. there's poignancy like that's so, a, i think that it was it wasn't just you know to have have that in the film there was poignancy no, no, to it, it. Wasn't. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't just, you know, yeah, no, well done. You well, know, again, um, it, just the editing and the acting and, and uh, so you think awards? You think maybe there's some Yeah, future I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, Robert's right there. Uh, uh, Nolan is right there, the score at least. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's definitely, it's one of the best films I've seen easily. And um, yeah, I'm curious to see what else comes, but I do want to touch on the ending real quick because it just it's it's haunting me and like what you just said kind of brought us there too, just how chilling and what this all means and just I mean it, it's it kind of spoke to me in two ways. Not only do we have this man dealing the weight of unleashing this into the world and just just hitting him just like, like a ton of bricks. Like I could be part of the reason that that like the entire existence of human beings ends, but I'm also I mean, when you see those uh, that missiles going off through the sky, I mean, this is a warning. It's it's you know um, it, James Cameron, but you know, telling us about telling us about killer robots and, and AI and stuff. This is just of that type of thing. These, it's kind of a reminder, a warning that these things exist. They're out there, and what they can do. It's just it's something. I don't know. It's not to be taken lightly, and they exist all over the planet. And you know, some governmental you know, uh, bad days could just be the end because they're on this planet. And it's just something to obviously, hopefully keep in mind and to address. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's pretty scary. I was, I was haunted. I walked out of there really, it was chilling. I think it's very timely uh, in case we have forgotten. Um, it's sort of like forgetting the power you have every time you get in your car and you drive because you've been driving for so many years. Don't take into account that you could kill so many people just by that action. You know, it's something we do subconsciously. So I think that, um, I think this sort of nuclear arms have become a, like everyone's reaction to aliens. Like yeah. we're so tired. We don't even care. Nuclear arms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we definitely. heard about that. But you don't realize mm -hmm. in this case, you could destroy the yep. entire planet and all of humanity as far as we know. Definitely. So, um, I, I think it's chilling and, I, and I'm glad that it was successful. And I, and I think that, oh, I think that last line in his face and that last I moment, I know. <laughs> there was no other way to end it, but what a way to, what a way to end to end the movie with yeah. that thought and I, I let me ask you this you know one of the things that he was hoping is if we saw this kind of power yep. there would not be a world war three mm -hmm. because we would realize ultimately we would destroy each other into the point totally. of annihilation I think he gave us all he gave humankind too much credit and that's a bummer that's a bummer I think you've got a point there because yeah. it would be nice to think, all right, let's just sit down uh, yeah. in a real Star Trek next generation kind of way and come yes. to an agreement. You know? Exactly. <laughs> we'll um, figure out some other way around. I um, I couldn't stop thinking, uh, besides just being chilled to the bone because of that, 
I couldn't get over it. I kept talking about it after the film. I can't believe there was a chance, even a little chance, that they could light the atmosphere on fire and they still went ahead with the test. That was part of it. They they were they were a little concerned. I think Matt Damon said, um, you know, very rare. You know, I I was tracking that. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like there's a, a what's the chance it lights the atmosphere on fire? And he's like nearly zero. He's like, what would you want to hear? And he goes zero. Just the oh, idea God. that they could have potentially lit our entire atmosphere on fire. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's just let's just go ahead with it. I just couldn't get over that because it's just it's, you're just playing with such literal fire, it's mind-blowing um, to me. The title, American Pr Prometheus, Prometheus, right? <laughs> How, you know, that um, you're playing with fire that's yeah. larger than you, that will burn yeah. you to the ground. You, you don't have the ability to handle this. I At that point, they were so stoked on the fact that they could. They, they could. didn't think if they, they should. Had, they wanted to see it through. They wanted, Once it was built, too, there was no doubt in so many of the people's mind who worked on the project and then obviously those in the government that they that they were going to see what it does and show what it does and that it was going to happen but what a film i mean look what look at all the ground we just covered and everything we discussed there's, and, and i'd love to hear there's probably things we missed what else i just want to end on a lighter note instead yes. of description of life as we know it That's i'm amazed nice. as a writer i am delighted that american prometheus has is number 50 in books on Amazon, number one in nuclear physics, two in United States, yes. three in science biographies. And there's such a long list at the library to get it. Like I was number 245 or something, awesome. you know, I was, I was just going to check it out and read it before we talked. I didn't get to do that. And um, not only and does Nolan think we're smart, he's making us smarter. He's making us smarter. So uh, I know you did Barbie and you've seen Barbie. I, yep. It's still on my dance card. I haven't made it yet. So let's just talk about for just a second the Please. zeitgeist of the moment of Barbenheimer yes. taking over the summer. Just, just your thoughts on that incredible <laughs> drive of social media and people picking I it just, up. I it's I, I get I have those moments too, you know. I think we all go back and forth on social media and stuff, but I also love when kind of like out of nowhere the collective consciousness of people are laughing together over something or creating jokes over something or it becomes something. I think that's when kind of these social media tools that kind of bind us together, uh, for better or worse, um, become really interesting and special. And that was a cool moment. Those jokes were fantastic that were going around. It was good for the movies. It was great to see. I Barbie mean, and Oppenheimer, yes. the way that they were combining the memes yes. and the media the colors. It was like, you guys are genius. There's all you people out there who are amazing. I made, I actually dressing up for Barbie and then going to Oppenheimer the same day. Oh. I made my first meme, actually, my for my daughter. I made a Oppenheimer meme. Her, her cat is really sweet during the day and crazy at night. So Barbie was Lulu during the day and, and Oppenheimer was Lulu at night. She got a kick out of it. It was really, really, really cool to see. I, I was joking with Ryan when we talked about Barbie the last episode. I'm worried to see how Hollywood tries to recreate it. Because, I mean, it's just a moment that happened organically. And you know That's they're going to want You're never going to be able, you know, good luck. Good luck. Good luck to recreate that. Yeah, moment. you know that you know they want to try, but it was exciting and like I feel I know I know like you know kind of COVID is kind of lingering about and everything, but it's 
it's it's I've been to the movies a bunch this summer. The movies have been packed. These two movies really drew people out. The, the and Super Mario Brothers and Spider Verse did really well, and it's just been fun. I love movies. I know you do too, and it's exciting to see excitement over it because you know, I just hear so much and 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 you know how television is just the end all be all and movies kind of get it. Movies are great. They're and they're doing good again, and it's exciting. And Barbie Barbie Heimer was a big part of it. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was a great summer combo. It was yeah, wonderful. It was. We'll Let me do this. I I love so much that I will go back and see it again in um in the IMAX before it leaves. Yeah. And 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 if 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 I ever did not respect Christopher Nolan to the degree, <laughs> no matter how many times I've watched Interstellar yeah. over and over, you know, I love so, that movie. Um, I do too. Again, time, physics, travel, fourth dimension, yep, fifth dimension. So everything. So he just elevated his himself and his talent and his um no yep. just in he's, awe. He's just I'm just I he, once he finishes the movie, I'm just like, what's next, Christopher? What's next? <laughs> I hope he he stays passionate and keeps push, pushing it out. Thank you for celebrating this film with me, Reverend. Thank you for celebrating the great state of New Mexico with me. Uh, I can't wait to do something again real soon. Talk to you soon. Yep, and thank you everyone out there for once again joining the party. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.